Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We just thank you for today. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here in our midst by your Spirit. And Lord, we cannot do anything without you. And Lord, I pray today that you will speak through me. Let your words speak through me and challenge our hearts. Challenge every single person here today. And bless us as well. Father, I pray that we will leave here changed and different to the way we came in. For a better way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm going to be continuing today on... I'm going to start my stopwatch so that I don't go over my time, because I want us to. We've got a lot to do today, and actually we've got to put some of what I'm going to be preaching about, in a sense, today into practice for some of us here. But I just want to recap quickly on today is the final third part of the Beyond Belief series. Hopefully you've got something from it up to now, uh, from what I've been speaking about for the last couple of weeks, and this is the third and final part of Beyond Belief series. The, the, the point of this series really was to kind of challenge us to think about um, what it is that's, that God or Jesus requires of us following salvation. Some people I know today, they wouldn't even know the term salvation. They wouldn't even know what it is to be saved. They would tick the box of being a Christian on a form you know, most of this nation who ticks a box for being a Christian, majority of them probably have never heard what it means to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, didn't he, in, in, in uh, John chapter 3, he talked about being born again of the Spirit of God. And it's important that we are. So in our relationship, when we come into a relationship with God through salvation, what I've been talking about is it's important that there's additional things after that. It doesn't just end there. That we, we, we get saved and then that's it. There is so much more. In fact, I've been a Christian for now in, in Cambridge. When I came back to the Lord, I backslidden for a long time. It's now going on towards 14 years and in those 14 years, I still today am realizing that there is so much more. We sung this morning about there being more. And do you know what? Till the day that Jesus returns or till the day that I die, I'm always going to be seeing that there's actually more. I'm never going to get to a point where I think this is it, Christianity in a box and I can see it, feel it, touch it and this is what it looks like. We work out our own salvation don't we? And so what I want to talk about is just recapping on part one of this was to be empowered. I think it's Acts chapter 9 looking at Paul when he went to the believers at Ephesus and he said this. He said, did you receive the spirit when you believed? And then he laid his hands upon them and they, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The first week when I preached on that, people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wasn't it good? And if you are still uh, encouraged in that and speaking in tongues, I encourage you to keep doing it, to keep doing it and to exercise it in faith. We talked in, in the first part about the importance beyond belief of being empowered, 
being empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you now, you cannot live your Christian life to the full extent and find and discover everything God has for you without the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. You can be saved and not have the empowerment. We can see that in Scripture. People, he said, you, you've, you've heard what Apollos was teaching, but he says, you've, you've, not, you've not received the Spirit yet. In other words, people you can meet today can say, I'm a Christian, I go to church every week, but sometimes they're not filled with the Spirit. And I want to encourage you today to be, this church believes in people being empowered by the Spirit of God, because I find you'll find it's far easier to walk your walk as well. Part two, last week we looked at this, that it's important to be united. <clears throat> What does that mean after you believe? I meet so many people who they they can receive um, salvation. We meet them on the streets. They can say, I want to go through the sinner's prayer now. And that's all good and well. But what is important is that people who are saved are united together in the body. There's a reason why there's a church. There's a reason why in Acts, that when it, the church was birthed, there's a reason why there's a church. Jesus designed the church for a reason. We said last week, it's not always pretty. It's not always easy. We said, Paul said this, then he said, bear with one another. So being in a church is not going to be easy. And so many people, when they get saved, they get frustrated with people. People are pretty frustrating sometimes, aren't they? You know, we've got to admit these things. We're not perfect. Neither am I. And so what happens is people, they get saved and then they they look at people in the church and they get disgruntled and leave and they're forever looking around because they relate Christianity to people. Paul said we need to be united. It's important following salvation, following that decision that you're empowered by the Spirit of God but you're also together and united. Today, I want to look in part three. The title of this one is to be motivated. Anyone remember Mr. Motivator on the telly when you were younger? If you're from this country, you will. No one remembers him. Mr. Motivator. Every morning when you were, when you were eating your breakfast and you, you sat there and you're absolutely shattered, you can barely open your eyes and you're thinking about what you've got to do in the day. And then you turn on, is it GMTV? And Mr. Motivator comes on and he's jumping around saying, and you know that it, this has not been, this is not live normally. They must film this at another time when he's really energetic because people at six and seven o'clock in the morning do not jump around in leotards. Well, some do. I don't. Get that image out of your mind. But to be motivated, let me tell you this, that empowerment is one thing. It will give you the gifts of the Spirit. It will give you boldness. If you don't know what it is to have boldness, when I talk about going to the streets and doing things, the only reason that I do what I do sometimes is because the Spirit of God, I keep asking for more to give me boldness. To give me more. So I end up doing things that's not really like what I would normally do in my own strength. He will give you boldness. He will give you gifts and empowerment. He will allow us to be unified together by the bond of peace. That's what we said last week. But third and finally today, and there's so much more to this, but I'm bringing it to three things. It will, if you are filled truly by the Holy Ghost, you will be motivated to do things different to what you would normally. 
You will have something ticking on the inside of you. It'll be like, have you ever, you remember the advert when the, the Duracell advert when the bunny uh, used to go around this little bunny and the batteries were in it and then all of a sudden the batteries would die out and they were trying to show that you need Duracell batteries to make sure that bunny keeps on moving. Let me tell you this, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you'll be like a bunny that's, that's just, you'll be using Poundland batteries. You haven't got Duracell extra power. Listen, the Holy Ghost will give you his power. It sounds as though I'm demeaning him to this power, but he will give you the ability and he will put a charge in you and a fire shut up in your bones will begin to release in you that will make you want to do something that you would never thought you wanted to do before. He will put desires in your heart. He will give you passions. He will give you desires to do things above and beyond your capability. And so many people, we come together every week and people sometimes, we struggle and think, I can't do what they can do. Listen, ask for the Spirit of God to fill you more and your passions will begin to burn and you'll want the things of God in your life and you'll start to do things that you never thought you could do. You see, the things I see every day, I realize that actually it makes me realize how weak I am. The more and more I see God at work, the more and more it makes me realize how weak and little I am. I am little. Okay, I heard Emma snigger then at the front when I said I'm little. Yes, I am. Okay, where was I? But listen, it's important that we have the Spirit of God in us to motivate us. Let's look this morning at Acts chapter 1, right where Pentecost, where, where Jesus describes just before Pentecost happens, it's, it's some important scripture. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He says this, verse 1, in my former book, Theoph- uh, I can't say that, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, that's Jesus, he presented himself. So listen, this is Jesus. He's talking about him presenting himself to his followers after he's died. So this is the resurrected Jesus now. After his suffering, that's Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proves that he was alive. How many of you know Jesus is alive today? He, Jesus, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is not just Jesus showing up to one person one day and people saying, by the way, I think I've seen Jesus on Saturday and that's it. 40 days he appeared to them following his death. Many people saw him. 40 days he appeared to them. And spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he says, while he was eating with them, this is the resurrected Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the spirit, for the gift, sorry, the father has promised. Which you have heard me speak about. In other words, I've talked about this already. Now I'm coming, I've just died, I've been resurrected. I'm coming to remind you, can you remember when we were having lunch that time and I told you about the Spirit? Well, actually, you need to listen very, very, very carefully. This is important, he said. Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he stressed with so much importance. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave. Because you've heard about baptism by water. You've heard about the teachings of Jesus. You've heard about repentance for sin. But listen, there's something big coming. There's a gift coming. Listen, it's not something you've got to work for. There is a gift coming. And all you've got to do is wait. We sung it this morning, waiting here for you. He said, wait. Then it says this, verse 6, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Very important thing here. Verse 6, he says this, the disciples, the first thing they say, what, so when the Spirit of God comes, this sounds amazing, Lord, are you going to put everything perfect? Is everything going to go to normal in Israel? Is everything going to be good again when your spirit comes? You know, we've seen the resurrection. We, 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 we believe in you. But when you're saying this gift comes, everything is going to go to normal and it's going to be good. You're going to restore the kingdom. And Jesus replied and he said this, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. That's what he gives them. He says, it's not, up to, it's not for you to know this. It's not for you to know when everything's going to be made well and good and perfect. It's not up to you to know this. But listen, the second thing he says is this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you, listen to this, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. After this, he said, he was, sorry, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken to you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. In other words, they were staring up as Jesus went up into the clouds. This is the resurrected Jesus. He told them, he said, listen, do not leave here. I know that it's exciting. I know you've heard about me dying and you've received the repentance for sin. But listen, don't leave because you're going to miss out on a gift. I'm going to pour my spirit out in Jerusalem. And when I do, you will receive power from on high. No, it's not about the kingdom, everything coming together. Listen, that's not for you to know about for now. What's important is that you are clothed with power. But listen to this. He says, they're, they're asking, when are you going to do everything? When are you, you're going to send the, this and it's all going to happen. Everything's going to be good. Jesus turns it back on them. He says, no, the power's going to come and you are going to do things. You're going to do the work, not me. You're going to start doing things and you're going to take this message by the power of the Holy Ghost to the ends of the earth. It's interesting to know that the Spirit of God, when He comes upon us, will motivate you and mobilize you to do things. You see, it's interesting that, and I'm going to come into this just in a short while, but if you look at when he says that he, the Spirit of God will mobilize you and you're going, to, you're going to be my witnesses, what it says is this, it starts in Jerusalem. It starts where they are. 
It doesn't start anywhere else. It starts where they're received. Right where they receive that gift. And the Spirit of God is all about moving and touching other people right to the ends of the earth. When Jesus returns, every person will have heard in this earth about Jesus. Amen. When he returns, every person will have had an opportunity. I've been talking to people recently, giving them the gospel. I've preached the gospel to some people recently, friends of mine, and they, they just laugh it off. But listen, they, they will be accountable for what they have heard. One day, he says that Jesus will judge us, and they will be accountable before God. Thankfully, as Christians, when we believe in Jesus and we accept him, he says he'll cover you from all your sins, and you won't be judged. Everyone thinks that we're all going to be judged, but we're not going to be, we're not going to be condemned. But people will be questioned of, they heard this good news and you didn't receive. Number one today, I believe that now is your chance. Jesus said this, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said this, do not leave Jerusalem. They had to wait for it. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So many people don't do this. They get saved or they go and attend a church and they're not willing to wait for extra. They're just happy the way they are. And I want to tell you, that's all good and well. And you will, like I said last week, you'll get your ticket to heaven if you're saved. But listen to me. What's important is this. When times get harder, when persecution will come, and believe you and me, this nation has not seen persecution yet. You read it and you see all over the news about Christians at the moment being attacked. People ignoring this. The Antichrist spirit rising up as it comes against Christians. It comes against the church. This is all foretold. It's not new to us Christians. Listen, Christianity is not about a happy life and coming to church and in a comfortable seat. There's going to, days going to come when we're going to be persecuted for our faith. We're going to be challenged about what we're saying. We're going to be challenged about what we're speaking about and what we believe in. And let me tell you this. If you don't have the Spirit of God and you're just relying on the ticket to heaven, listen to me very carefully. It's going to be very, very, very tough. And we will be challenged to the core. I believe today there's there's some of us in churches, the way that the church is going, that sometimes when we don't preach like this and we don't tell people the truth, we're getting to a point where people will, will get to a point where they can't, when they're really standing the test before someone, they won't be able to, to get past the test. Because it's all about comfort. It's all about how we feel. I'm not into comfort Christianity. I'm into authentic Christianity. I'm into the real deal, what the Bible talks about. I'm into something that changes you, then the fire of God comes inside of you. And just like Stephen, when he was stunned and he was persecuted right there and then, that it says he looked up to heaven. And he had the radiance upon him. He knew what it was to serve Jesus. Listen, you don't hear many people in churches in the Western society today talking about persecution like Stephen. But yet he sat there and he let them stone him to death. Because it's the truth. 
He had the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And when the Spirit of God's on the inside of you, you understand what Jesus meant when he said, don't worry about the body, worry about the soul. Don't worry about your body, what someone can kill and hurt and destroy. Worry about your soul. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his own soul? Worry about your soul. Now is your chance. It's your chance to receive empowerment, receive the Holy Spirit so that you can make a change. In Acts chapter 1 verse 6, their question was, they gathered around him and said, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to make everything well? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know these dates and times. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive power from on high. The danger is this, that if we think that God's Spirit's going to do all the work, that we get saved and then we think the Holy Ghost will just do everything, I'm just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. That's not the way that Jesus wants it. Jesus wants to put on the inside of you empowerment, but he also wants to do this. Put his, what I believe, is like a GPS system of guidance to lead you and take you to the ends of the earth and touch people's lives. He will put his GPS system on the inside of you to guide you and to lead you. You see, he's all into leading. Many of us, what we do is we get saved and then we say, God, I'm going to invite you on my journey. I'm going to take you with me because I want to go to this place because this place looks nice. In fact, I'd love to go to this part of the world and speak into their lives and preach into their lives because you've seen the beaches. You want to go to certain parts of the world to do things because you know that it's a nice place to go to. But really, you're not being led by God. You're leading him. When the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you, it will take you to places that sometimes you might not always like to go to. It will take you to places that are difficult and a challenge. Do you think that Jonah wanted to go to Nineveh? Do you think he thought, oh, the beaches are good there? The only beach he saw is when the whale threw him up. Do you think he thought, I want to go to Nineveh? No, he didn't. He didn't want to go and do the work there, but God by his spirit was calling him and he knew it. He was trying to get away from the call of God on his life. And many of us today, when we're like, when as soon as God starts to bring motivation into our spirit to do something for him, if we don't like it, what we start doing is ignoring him, shutting off our ears to him, recreating our own will of God, and then telling him about it and hoping he likes it. And then we might throw in a few things that look like it's sacrificial. You know, you don't get as much money out there for your exchange rate, but the beaches are good. We try to make it look like it's designed by God. Listen, the Spirit of God, you'll know about it when he tells you to go somewhere. You'll know about it when it's the Spirit of God, because he will put a GPS system on the inside of you that will navigate you. But listen, if you don't have this inside, if you don't take the opportunity and the chance to do this now, and you begin to live your life as a Christian, going through life, trying to do it your own way and leading and trying to lead God through your life, listen to me, you'll find it a big struggle. You'll find it a big, big struggle. 
John, uh, in, Jesus said to, in, to Nicodemus in John 3, he talked about, he says, the, the spirit, uh, it, it's like a wind, it blows wherever it pleases. You can't hear it, you can't see it. How many of you know when you're outside, you're looking, you can't see the wind, you can only see what it's doing. You see the trees moving. Listen, in a few days I'm going to be cycling to Norfolk. 70 miles to Norfolk on my bike. I love cycling and I've done it once before. I did it four years ago and I rode, I rode on my bike up to Norfolk, 70 miles uh, straight off. And this is what I did. I made the biggest mistake. I never checked, uh, it's one thing I do now, but I never checked the wind calculations on the weather charts. I don't check for the sun or the rain. I check for the wind calculations of which direction it's coming and the speed and the gust speed. Because when you're riding, if you're riding against the wind, you feel it. You know about it, Lewis. He likes his cycling. You feel the wind. In fact, it's one of the, one of the worst things I hit when I cycle is if it's windy towards me. Because I'm putting all of my effort, all of my strength. I've got the lightest bike and I still can't shift. I can't move because the wind is so powerful against me. And I went to Norfolk and it took me seven and a half hours to get there. <laughs> yeah. Come on, that's good timing. Right, you can come with me. Challenge. Seven and a half hours to get there. Listen to me. When I, I, I decided to come back a few days later, and when I decided to come back a few days later, I checked the weather. And thankfully, there was no wind against me. It was a calm day, and I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'd had such a nightmare getting there. It was awful. All the way, I'm thinking, I was just thinking, Lord, why did I choose to do this? Why have I done this? I'm against the wind. But I had to go. Emma was already up there in the car. I had no choice. I had to go. But listen, a few days later, I rode the same journey and the wind had stopped. It was down. It was so calm. Such a calm, beautiful day. It took me five and a half hours for the same journey. Two hours were took off my timing. There you go, Lewis. Two hours off my timing. Because the wind wasn't against me. Listen, if you try to do things without being led by the Spirit of God, it's like you're against the wind. Because the wind blows where it pleases. In fact, it's so different. I find that God, when he's beginning to lead me now, it's very abstract. It's not linear. It's, not, it's, it's very abstract. Sometimes I find myself doing things and then I'm somewhere else and I think, Lord, you are blowing everywhere over this city and it's, there's no real order to it. We just love order. Let me tell you, the more and more we invite the Spirit of God to come here, and the more and more we want revival to come into this church and in our city, there's not going to be much order. It's going to start to break up order. We need order in services, yes, but revival, you cannot get order on it. When the Spirit of God blows around this city, it blows around where it pleases. But if you try to do it on your own, you're going to go against this wind sometimes, and it's going to be difficult. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, Paul challenged, challenged the believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Remember on Pentecost Day when they were filled with the Spirit, one thing it says is that the onlookers said, it says, these people look like they're drunk. You know, if you, if you think that Pentecost, Pentecostal churches are wild, well, go back to the very beginning. 
when people walked in and said, who were locally in Jerusalem the day that the gift of the Holy Spirit fell, and they were looking at everyone thinking they were drunk. That's how much. They look like they're intoxicated. They look like they were took over by something. Because when God's Spirit comes upon you, it changes you, and you are not yourself in one sense. You are overpowered by Him. We have our characters, but let, some people say, well, I don't want to be like that. I don't want him to guide me and, and, and to take me to places I don't want to go. I don't want to be changed. I want to be myself. I have the right to be. But listen, what we just said, Paul said this, if you're not filled with the Spirit and you get drunk on wine and you do these things, he says this, that you won't be wise. You'll be unwise. Well, that's one reason to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says you're going to be wise. You'll make the most of opportunities. You won't miss out. You won't miss out on chances. And third and finally, you'll know what God's will is. Everyone wants to know what God's will is. You haven't got time to check the sat-nav. You know, sometimes when we're in the car and we're checking, we look at the sat-nav and Emma says, have you ever had this, you, you put in, you plug in your where you're going to go to, the distance, where you're going to travel. And, you, and it tells you where to go. And you're driving down. Emma always does this. She says, can you check? Is this right? And I said, well, of course it's right. Because the sat-nav tells us we're going there. We put in the, the where we're going. We put the postcode in. Just listen to it and let them tell you. And she's like, just check it. And she wants me to go into the information to check all of the roads of where it's telling us that we're going to be going in about an hour's time. Saying, just check. that is it going there? And I think sometimes we, we want to look at all the details. Listen, when you are really led by the Spirit of God, you've got no time to check. You've not, you haven't got any time to be going in looking. Just keep taking one step at a time, one day at a time. You'll find one day, I know I did, I ended up in the destination. I ended up there. But many of us want to start picking and looking and saying, is this road the right one? Is it? Listen, if you have the Spirit of God and, you've, and you're filled with Him, the motivation you'll put on the inside of you to do something is one thing. Just take one step, one instruction at a time, and you'll find yourself, all of a sudden, you've arrived. But many of us want to know all the details, and we're trying to do it while we're driving. Trying to look, and then we miss a turning and everything goes wrong. Listen, God knows where he's taking every one of us. Just listen, left, right, forward, straight on. Don't get into the detail. If God wants to reveal some details, he will. Isaiah 45 verse 2, God spoke to his people through him. And he said, I will go before you and will will level the mountains. And I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. Listen to me. What are your bronze bars today? What are your bronze bars? What are your hills that are in front of you? Because some of us, we're traveling on this GPS system that we've allowed God to come into our lives and direct us. And we're traveling on it. And then all of a sudden, we hit a mountain. We hit these bronze bars that feel like jails and prisons. And we think, this is not the will of God. But Isaiah said this, he said that God will cut the bronze bars and he will level the mountains. Listen to me, whatever you think is going wrong, if you're the passenger or the driver or you're trying to work out what's going wrong when you're driving one way and you see that a mountain comes or you feel like all of a sudden a prison's come and you're behind these bars and you think, why is it I'm here? Because I allowed the Spirit of God to motivate me and take me to places and do things in my life. Now I'm in a prison. Listen to me. Isaiah said this, that God 
will cut through the bars of iron and he will level the hills. Listen, he might t- he'll still take you into some prisons sometimes. He'll st- still take you into difficulties in your life to see what you're going to do. But he, he has the power to cut through and take you through and take you out. Number two today, as I move quickly, now is your place. You'll receive power, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Listen to me. It's so important that if you, when you are motivated by God, God is a missional God, amen? He is a God of mission. He has mission on his mind. He doesn't want us to keep meeting here and do nothing else other than sitting and listening to me. I get tired of my own voice, let alone you. He doesn't want us always to just be sat listening. He wants us to do something. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. He wants us to change the world. He wants us to do something in every avenue of our walks of life. He has got a plan for every single person in this room that can change the way humanity is. The people around you. Now is your place. The problem is that people, they read this and they want to go to the ends of the earth before they're prepared to go to Jerusalem. They read this and say, oh, I love it. I love the fact that Jesus, when his spirit comes upon you and you you get this missional attitude, I want to go to the ends of the earth. But listen, it started in Jerusalem. It started in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus today is looking at us, every one of us, when he fills us with his spirit. And he's saying, he's looking and saying, are you going to touch where you are first? Are you prepared to touch where you are first? Because many of us want to jump to the ends of the earth. Listen, I'm not saying that people won't go to the ends of the earth. There are people in this room now, I believe, that God has put something on the inside of you to go to the ends of the earth. He's already, you're on, on, a, on a particular walk in your journey with God, and he's already talking to you about going and going somewhere else and doing something. But that's your journey. But listen, some of us are still in Jerusalem. And some of us, while we're waiting to go to the ends of the earth, and we're in the what we call the departure lounge, as it were, you're waiting. While you're waiting, you still need to minister in Jerusalem. But I meet so many people, all they do is they talk about what they're going to do, but they don't do anything. They talk about what they're going to do in the ends of the earth, but they never do anything in Jerusalem. I'll tell you this. God will only do something special with those who are willing to start in Jerusalem. If you're not willing to start in Jerusalem, he won't take you to the ends of the earth with the gospel. And if you are at the ends of the earth, then it's probably manufactured if you weren't prepared to do anything else before. I guarantee you that. He will take you on a journey. He, he took me on a journey as I began to do the little, and then he gives a bit more and a bit more, and then he gives you the boldness to think about other places and what you want to see. Everyone today has a mission here for God. Someone once quoted this as a test. They said, here is the test to find out your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive 
it isn't. Let me read that again. Here's your test to find out if your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. In other words, while ever you are alive on this earth, till the day that Jesus takes you away, he, if you're filled by his spirit, will give you a missional spirit. He will give you his spirit that is missional, that looks at taking to the ends of the earth. And while ever you're alive, the GPS signal is going to be going left, right, left, right. In fact, you'll never reach your destination till the day that you die. Some people I meet today, they act like they've reached it. They're in this amazing place. Listen, while ever you are on this planet earth, you are being instructed by the Lord till the day you leave. The destination for every one of us here is to be in glory with him. Not on this earth, to be in heaven with our Father. Then we won't be talking about mission. Then we'll be having a party. Amen. We won't be talking about mission and, like I said before, gifts of the Spirit and all these things. Then the party begins when we're with our Father, our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. We need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Luke 4, verse 18 to 20, Jesus, I'm not going to read it, but Jesus talked about his mission. He came in the synagogue one day and he said, this is my mission. He says, this is fulfilled. I'm speaking of this scripture that's already been written and I'm going to fulfill it, he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To give recovery of sight to the blind. And he says that at the end of that, when he rolled up the scroll, he looked at everyone in that synagogue and he said this, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he gave the mission plan He told them what was on the heart of the Father through him. But he says, actually, I'm not going to do this in a few years. It starts now. It starts now. And from that day onwards, he began to start his mission. Listen, if you've got a mission in your heart, if God is calling you to greater things, start today. The place now is the place where you're here already. Cambridge is your place. Finally, now is your time, number three. Now is your time. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him going to heaven. Listen to me. When Jesus had instructed them about the spirit of God falling, when he instructed them and said, listen, wait for the gift. This is going to happen. You're going to be empowered and you will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is what happened next. Straight after, Jesus disappears. I know that I'd be thinking then, if he's gone, I really want this gift. I really want to get to Jerusalem. I am not going anywhere. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not leaving Jerusalem. I want the Spirit of God. What he's just been talking about, because he's told me not to leave. This is important. Listen, many people do miss it. But the next thing they do, it says that they were looking up into the sky at Jesus leaving. But have you noticed this? It didn't take long before two people dressed in white appear and tell the disciples to stop looking into the sky. You know, I'm not sure how long they were there looking into the sky, but if if God sent two uh, beings, angels if they were, to come and to give them a prod and say, listen, stop stargazing and stop looking up at the clouds. You've been still looking for about a day now. Will you... 
will you do something? It must have been a long time because I don't think God would have sent them immediately. They must have been looking up saying, in admiration of what they've just seen and looking into the sky. But these two, these two beings said this, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him going to heaven. In other words, there are people today who are filled with the Spirit of God. They've got empowerment. They've got that motivational spirit inside of them. But now they're like they're stargazing, looking up, waiting for Jesus to return, and they're not going to do anything. They're waiting for the day that the trumpet sounds and they're they're excited when they're here teaching on doing things, but they don't like doing them themselves. We all love the brilliant DVD series of breaking out and spirit breaking out and doing things and taking the word of God out. And we all love these things, but listen, we cannot stand stargazing, waiting for him to return. And do you know what? When these two beings come and they prodded them and they said, listen, stop looking up. Do you know what that's like? They got a prophetic word. How many of you have had a prophetic word so many times to go and do what God has called you to do? And it's like you've had these two beings come and prod you and say, stop looking, just do. But we just ignore it. And I believe God today is saying right now in your hearts, in some people's spirits today, he is prodding you. He's sending not two beings. If there were two beings, we'd all be running out of the church now, I think. But listen, he's prodding you in your heart. He's saying, listen, you're spending too much time stargazing, admiring everything, looking at what's great. But listen, if the spirit of God is in you, it's motivational. It will, it's missional, it's mobilizing, it will take you. And listen, get up and go, stop sitting and looking. How many prophecies will it take us to see this? I don't want to be a stargazer. I don't want to be someone who's just looking and waiting while everyone else is doing the work. I want to be someone who's motivational motivated by the Spirit of God to do something, to rescue lives that are out there today who need to know Jesus. Do you know many years ago in September 2011, I come to a close just shortly, but in September 2011, I think it was when the, or 2000, sorry, with the Twin Towers when they fell. I'll never forget, if you ask many people that day, where were you the day the Twin Towers fell? And it's such a pivotal thing in, 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 in our life as, as, as of our age and our, and our generation to remember what happened that day when those, both those t- towers fell. All the world saw it on the TV. I remember exactly where I was the moment that happened. But then as the evening went on, I looked and watched on TV and saw these brave firemen who were going into the building when they'd seen one building drop. They were still prepared to go into the next building on the basis that that the probably the same outcome would happen to the second. But yet they still went in to rescue. What I find amazing about that is that they were prepared to give their all their lives, everything they had to go and rescue people on the basis they knew what the ultimatum was. That if they went and climbed the stairs and rescued, that at any given second, millisecond, 
that the same disaster that came on the first building would come on the building that they were in. I want you to think about that for one moment. In Jude it says this, in the book of Jude it says this, that we are supposed to snatch people from the fire. We're supposed to be snatching people from the fire. But do you know so many of us, when we see persecution, we've seen the building drop. Are we prepared to go in and rescue in building two when we see all the persecution happening? Are we prepared to go and help people and rescue them no matter what it costs? If it costs you your life. Remember what I said, that our soul is more important and so are other people's souls. If it's important to God, then it should be important to us. Amen. Now is the time for us to do this. It's not just about evangelism. It's not just about telling people, but it's about us going and doing our gifts, putting our gifts into action. In Galatians 5, remember it said the fruit of the Spirit is love. Other things it said was kindness and goodness. Listen to me. You can, in your outreach to people, in your mobilization and motivation that maybe you're just sat stargazing. Listen, there might be gifts and talents inside of you that are not evangelism, but they are things that will rescue people by love and kindness that people have not seen that level before of kindness. There's so much that we can do. Today, as I finish, God is asking every one of us, are we prepared to do this for him? Are we prepared to go the whole way for him? Who will go? Who will have his spirit? Who will do the work? Isaiah 6, verse 6 to 9, Isaiah's commission, he said this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken with tongs from the altar, With it he touched my mouth and said, see this as touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. In other words, Isaiah knew what it was for his sins to be atoned for. He knew what it was, just like you do, to believe in Jesus and receive salvation. He knew what that was. He felt clean. But then he says this, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, this is Isaiah, here I am, send me. He said, his response, God was, go and tell this people. In other words, he received the atonement for sins, Isaiah. But in this word from the Lord, he said, but are you going to go? Are you going to be going sent? And he says, yeah, send me. I'm willing. And he said, go and tell this people. I want to encourage you today that when the empowerment comes, we're not just here to be unified in the church, but we're here to go and be sent. And I believe there's going to be people in this room. I want this church to be a missional church. Amen. I want our church to be a church that sees the culture of what we're developing here go to nations. You know, it's one thing for, we mentioned people going on holidays and turning their holidays into missional trips. But my heart for this church is, I really believe what God's doing among us is he's building a culture. And the culture that he's building is, I want to see people. There's going to be people in this room that are going to go to nations, not just to evangelize, but they're going to go and help people. They're going to be kind and they're going to be loving. They're going to touch other people's lives. 
And I don't know about you, but God is going to be raising up in this next season. I believe people who are going to go, they're going to be people who say, here I am, send me, and I want to go, and I want to touch a nation, and I want to take the culture, the kingdom culture of what's here in Cambridge to the ends of the earth. Amen? Our heart is for us to get behind some of these things. It's not going to be, we've got to seek God on this, but I'm telling you, I'm not in it for just this room. I'm not in it for just Cambridge. I'm in it for seeing that nations are touched and we touch other people all around the world with the culture that we're raising. Because God, I believe, does not want to limit to these four walls, neither to this region, but he wants to take this. Amen? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.